Hello and welcome back to the Building Stewards Podcast. I'm Donovan Brooks and I am your host. Today we'll be talking about the symptoms and fruit of faithful stewardship. So the last couple episodes we spent some time talking about what exactly biblical stewardship is and why it's important. Today I want to talk about the symptoms of that faithful stewardship, the evidence that we are managing God's resources in an honoring way. Biblical stewardship is one of those things that can't be faked. So a lot of things in life can be faked, you know, the adage, fake it till you make it. Managing resources and biblical stewardship is not one of those things. There's always going to be evidence. There's always going to be a paper trail of how well we are managing those resources. And we want to be looking at the evidence of our stewardship. We want to look at those symptoms, those those consequences, whether good or bad, for a reason. And that reason is to make sure that it lines up with what we believe, with what Scripture says is important, what God says is important. This is why we want to look at those results of how we are managing God's resources. I want to take a quick look at a piece of Scripture from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So Jesus here is specifically talking about false prophets, people that are claiming to be Christians, maybe spreading a false gospel. And he says very clearly here, you can tell these people by the fruit that they bear. You know, a healthy tree can't bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. It just doesn't happen. So taking this concept, pulling it out, we can apply that to biblical stewardship as well. And I want to be very careful putting this back into the context of biblical stewardship. I always want to err on grace and boasting in our weakness because Christ is made strong in that. But I think it is also telling when we look at the fruit of our lives and breaking it down to specific parts of our lives, even even, uh, to get more clarity. So this can apply to us when we take a step back and look at how well we're stewarding. Well, we can tell how well we are stewarding by looking at the fruit from our role as stewards. And that will be often a telltale sign of how well we're doing. So just to start us off, I wanted to to hit on that, but to dive into some actual symptoms of faithful stewardship, giving. Now, giving is something that gets hit on a lot, and it's kind of the poster child of stewardship. People see it as one and the same, synonymous, if you will. And I want to say that it is a big part of stewardship, but it isn't the only thing we should be considering when we look at faithful stewardship and The church has kind of done a bad job at breaking down stewardship as a whole, and they simply just talk about giving. So anyway, in regards to giving and faithful stewardship, our giving should be proportionate to our income. And this is all to say that if we're doing well, if we are prospering, there's no reason that our giving shouldn't adequately reflect that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, this is from the Amplified Bible, Amplified Version, Paul says this, Now concerning the money collected for the relief of the saints in Jerusalem, you are to do the same as I directed the church of Galatia to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put something aside in proportion to his prosperity and save it 
so that no collections will need to be made when I come. So the key part of that is in proportion to his prosperity. And I want to be very clear, there's not a specific amount when it comes to giving. I know 10% gets thrown out the, the tithe as what we all should be giving. And that is an amount that was thrown out in the Old Testament. And I think that's easy for the church to cling to and say, hey, 10% is what you should give. It's, it's, it's um, kind of set it and forget it for a lot of churches. They can say, hey, give 10%. We're able to plan pretty well <laughs> based on everyone giving 10%. But I want to say that we shouldn't settle on a specific amount. And there's there's quite a bit of danger in that. There's danger in hitting that 10% and you know stopping any excess giving above that. There's danger in you know that being maybe too high of an amount that you can kind of bear right now. So everyone needs to determine in their own heart the amount that they want to give, but it should be in proportion to your own prosperity. And one other thing is that, yes, giving should be sacrificial. It should be done joyfully and it should be done sacrificially. And, and I, I say that because giving does truly break the power of money over us. Again, that comes back to humbling, humbling ourselves and realizing that God owns it all, but it should be done joyfully and sacrificially. The next symptom of faithful stewardship is a controlled and debt-free lifestyle. So this is kind of two parts in one. So first, controlled. There should be a sense of self-control when we're stewarding what God has given to us. So self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, and if we are truly walking in step with the Spirit, we should have a better sense of self-control when it comes to what we're managing. So this is really not acting impulsively. This is not being rash with certain decisions. I think when we tend to, to live and walk in the fleshly parts of our lives, uh, maybe some areas of struggle, we tend to lose some self-control. An overall symptom of faithful stewardship is that self-control when it comes to what we're managing. Next, uh, debt-free lifestyle. So I know most of us will have debt at some point in our life, and I'm not here to say that debt is sinful. Um, it definitely isn't. Debt just puts us in a precarious position. It binds us and it shackles us until we get free of it. So a debt-free lifestyle means that we are actively pursuing getting out of debt and remaining out of debt. If we are living a life that isn't controlled and therefore we are using debt to facilitate our lifestyle, that is problematic. That is a deeper spiritual issue that needs to be addressed. So that's kind of what I want to say there is that a lifestyle that has self-control is also pursuing a debt-free lifestyle that is free of that and has a future desire to remain debt-free. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave of the lender. So this is probably the, the number one piece of scripture people think of when talking about debt. We are submitting ourselves to these financial institutions and these other organizations that we are in debt to until we can be free of that. And so it's one of these things I like to connect to our spiritual freedom in Christ. Christ came and died for us so that we could not be enslaved to our sin and spiritual death. This is the financial impact of it. Christ came so that we also aren't enslaved financially as well. So we just need to take those principles about being debt-free and, and living with self-control and contentment and apply it to this. I hit a little bit on just contentment right now, and um, I want to say contentment is a huge part of it. I often say contentment is one of your best financial planning tools that you have in your toolbox. 
Paul says this in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So this is also the part where Paul talks about being able to do all things in Christ. And that is a piece of scripture that gets blown way out of proportion, way out of context, I should say, um, because it is in regards to this. Paul figured out that through Christ, he knew how to live in both need and abundance. And he found contentment in both of those seasons of life. And I think that's super important when we take a step back and look at living a life of self-control and a life that is free from debt. And a lot of that is tied back to our contentment in Christ and being grateful in all seasons of life. Okay, the next symptom of faithful stewardship is integrity and thanksgiving. And a big part of this is handling our finances with integrity. And one of the clearest examples is paying taxes. We probably didn't see that one coming, but we should be paying our taxes with integrity and being thankful that we have the ability to pay taxes in the first place. You might be thinking, what? how does that even correlate to, <laughs> to biblical stewardship? Well, we live in a country that assesses taxes based on how much money you make. And to say that we are paying taxes, we should be thankful that we make enough money to pay taxes, to live in an environment that this is how things operate. So taking a step back, we should be thankful for what God, God has allowed us to steward our jobs, our incomes, you know, all the other resources in our lives. But we should also have integrity with then going forward to give to the authorities what belongs to them. So we do need to be submitting ourselves to the authorities because God has put those authorities in power. So Romans chapter 13, verse 1 and 2 says this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So back to paying taxes, the authorities assess taxes. We need to submit ourselves to the authorities because by submitting ourselves to the authorities, we're submitting to God because God had put those authorities into power. One last thought I have on paying taxes in regards to integrity and thanksgiving is what Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 17 through 21. And this is really when the Pharisees are trying to corner Jesus about as if it's being lawful to pay taxes to Caesar. This is how the account goes. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. So this is really powerful because Jesus kind of cut straight to the point. They were mandated to pay taxes at the time to Caesar. And so Jesus says, you know what, give them the taxes because it belongs to them and give to God what belongs to God. Um, and I think this is super powerful when, it, when we apply this to our lives. Give the government the taxes that is due to them and then give to God what belongs to God. And so when we take a step back, we everything we have to steward is God's anyway. So if we're 
maintaining too tight of control of what he's given us, that is a telltale sign that something's awry spiritually for us. So when we keep that mindset that it all belongs to God, you know, God has put the authorities into power. God has instituted taxes in our country. We should be paying those taxes to the authority, which ultimately God has put into place. We should have these things working within us. Um, and ultimately it comes back to fulfilling the Thanksgiving and how we're operating with integrity as Christians. Okay, last point I wanted to make is that a symptom of faithful stewardship is that we have instituted accountability in our lives. So as Christians, accountability is super important in regards to fostering our spiritual growth. And accountability is really this this tool that we use to make sure we do the things that we say we're going to do, the things that are important, the things that God says are important. So when it comes to biblical stewardship, if we say we want to take this serious and we want to manage what God's entrusted to us in an honoring way, we have to have that accountability in place. And this can look many different ways. This could look like having a Christian financial advisor. This could look like being super transparent with your small group, your community group. This could mean checking in with your pastor or leadership team. I mean, the list goes on and on. Really, those people that you trust and can confide in, they are who you really want to bring into this journey with you of stewardship to hold you accountable. Um, I know a lot of people want to make sure that they're not clinging too close to money, that they're not idolizing it. And this is a prime example of how accountability can help combat that effort. So obviously, you know, I always want to bring it back to grace, always want to bring it back to to Jesus first, but this idea of having accountability within our biblical stewardship is one that is also a symptom of faithful stewardship. And as in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. And so by bringing that accountability into your life, you're able to become a better and more faithful steward for the kingdom. So those are some symptoms of faithful stewardship that I wanted to hit on for you I'd love for you to evaluate your life in all the areas that you're stewarding. Hopefully you made a list on those areas from the prior episode, but take a step back and kind of assess how well are you doing at stewarding in those areas? What are the symptoms of your stewardship? Have you been stewarding well? Have you been stewarding not so well? Where are the opportunities? Where can you improve the stewardship in your life? So those are a couple hopefully challenging but encouraging questions. And again, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, the best is yet to come.